0: Welcome to the Catalyst Life Coaching Podcast with John Kim and Noelle Cordeau. If you're inspired to begin your own life coaching practice or just want to learn a little bit more about what it's all about, visit journey.co, that's J-R-N-I dot C-O, for more information. Your adventure awaits.
1: On this week's episode, Combating Overwhelm. Noelle, it sounds very dramatic.
0: I know. I thought so, too. And then I think I, I started thinking of, of synonyms for overwhelm.
1: Yeah, it's uh, what, what do we mean by overwhelm as far as, uh, you know, with life coaching? Because that, that can mean so many things.
0: It can. And that's what I was thinking about. I was thinking, is it anxiety? Is it a feeling of helplessness? Is it, um, you know, a, a feeling of existential dread, perhaps? Yeah, sure wrapped up in there, it can be so many different things. Um, from a coaching perspective, and from a positive psychology perspective, where my head went was, well, you know, it's there's no sense in actually sitting here and trying to find synonyms, I need to figure out what's the opposite mm. of overwhelm so that we can attack it from a strength based perspective.
1: Well, first, what do you think um, causes life coaches to feel overwhelmed? Cause, because I have a feeling that what you think will be different than what I think
0: you know for for life coaches what i see with the folks that we train is the overwhelm usually hits right around or right after they're through the certification process because learning about life coaching is so rad and the, the tips and tools and techniques are so cool and everybody loves it. And then when they're done, it's kind of like, Oh, now I have to take this out into the world. How do I do it? And that's what causes.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's that it's, where do I start? It's how do I, you know, uh, build a following. Um, what's my niche, you know, um, How do I build a practice? All of that stuff. So that could definitely be overwhelming.
0: And it's ironic because that is the very thing that life coaches help other people sort out. It's kind of like a big life funnel where the idea of where we want to go and what we want to do is so much bigger. So it feels like you have to almost funnel it down into this tiny little narrow bucket. And I think that's what causes overwhelm.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I guess we could start with that, uh, enter the door with life coaching, and then we could um, go wider and talk about overwhelm in general. Uh, So starting with coaches, and then um, then people, of course, coaches are people, I I think, I think you're absolutely right. I I think that um, what we struggle with is also what we're helping people with, which there's a lot of irony there. And I think the way to um, maneuver through that is to Uh, to not deny it, you know, not try to pretend Um, whatever you're struggling with, you are struggling with, and it doesn't discredit you discredit you as a life coach. And I think that's one of the things that many people fear is that, you know, if they're not strong, or if they're um, going through something like being overwhelmed, then they're not going to be a good coach.
0: I hear that all the time. And another thing that it's so important to remind each other and our coaches and anyone who does this work is that, your empathy is your superpower. Mm. And your lived experience is your superpower. And so, you know, life will fall apart from time to time, and you can still be very good at your job.
1: From day to day, it'll fall apart. From day to day. (laughs) So
0: welcome, welcome to our company, everyone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Slash life, you know. Um, So how do you how do you deploy empathy? And then also, how do you Um, walk that line between being empathetic, but also, you know, not feeling sorry for yourself, actually putting some work behind your, your, uh, your, your goals to actually break through.
0: Oh, yeah. So, you know, I'll I'll give you two um, current examples. So um, I just took on a divorce recovery client, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's moving a lot faster than my client thought it was going to. And so, you know, first session out of the gate was, okay, you know, I'm going to tell my partner tomorrow that I, I'm seeking a divorce. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, holy shit. Okay. So I've been through it. And I know that what these humans are about to experience uh, feels like disassociation from reality mm. and that you know my lived experience is going to be different than anybody else's but when when you go through as a couple you know facing the reality of our partnership is going to end we're going to divorce we're going to separate life goes upside down
1: yeah absolutely
0: upside down and so these people are about to enter this bubble of like non reality essentially um so for me as a coach, just kind of stepping back and saying, Oh, boy, like, I know what's coming. I know the tidal wave that's coming. And then remembering what it was like for me to be in that bubble, the confusion, the sadness, the fear, you know, all the feelings so I can access that to have empathy for for my client, when my client is kind of sputtering and not really making sense. I'm like, that's here we are. That's it. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. This is a really important step because I think many coaches go straight to how can I fix this for the client without oh, no. practicing yeah. empathy. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, and 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 the, the truth is, is is I can't fix anything.
1: Right. Right.
0: I can't. I cannot. I have zero power in this situation to fix anything. But what I can be is a beacon of life on the other side a trusted sounding board and strategist, Mm -hmm. someone who's not going through um, a divorce right now. And so I can take a look at all the Legos dumped out on the ground and say, Okay, this is overwhelming. Let's pick one.
1: Yeah, Uh, this is the um, it's what I call the soil, you know, if you just go directly to solutions, because you know, of course, offering solutions and guiding and all that is part of life coaching. Um, You you don't get the buy-in. You don't get to build the trust with your clients. And so when you say uh, to put yourself in the client's shoes, to be empathetic, um, that's how you really start to form a genuine, authentic relationship with your client.
0: With your client, with your family, with your friends, with your mother, with your father, to take a step back and, and to acknowledge that this human in front of you might be going through something that doesn't allow them to access logic and reason readily.
1: What about also, and and this is now kind of pulling back with uh, uh, the topic of overwhelm, what about practicing this on yourself?
0: Okay, so step one is acknowledging when you're in a state of overwhelm. right? And I think that's probably the hard part because, you know, Feelings aren't facts, and so often when we get just nailed with big, scary feelings, our tendency as humans is to take it as some sort of signal that there's something wrong with us,
1: yeah, with us or, or- with our life. Or, you know, it's very um, it feels very uh, permanent or uh, very drastic,
0: it does. And yet there are so many factors that go into a a momentary feeling of overwhelm that have nothing to do with our lives, our trajectory, or the lives, or the facts Mm -hmm. of our existence. So, you know, we talked a little bit um, about seasonal affective disorder. A lot of people get really hit with anxiety during the summertime. Mm and it's counterintuitive to how we believe we should experience the season summertime typically represents you know a Coca-Cola commercial fun beach balls dancing around you know right. love lightness but in reality it's just hot
1: Yeah. (laughs)
0: And and nothing magical is actually happening. And so, you know, when people feel sad or depressed in the summertime, um, they think there's something wrong with them because they're looking around or or there's this construction of society like I should be having fun right now. And and I actually feel sad. So what's wrong with me?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of overwhelm comes from um, blowing things up in our head, uh, not living in the here and now. Um, A lot of our distorted thinking. You know, um, it doesn't come from what is really happening. It's coming from uh, the fear and anxiety of what could happen or what could not happen.
0: Yes. I'll give you my second example uh, around uh, eating body image and and binge eating disorder. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is something that I coach on. Mm -hmm. It's something that I'm very, very, very good at coaching on. It's also something that I am subject to myself. So I...
1: Which which can I just, I think that's why you're so good at it.
0: I think so too.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, because I understand, you know, what it's like to be afraid of a certain food. Right. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I get it. I've been there myself. And so, you know, for me as a coach, um, to be in this position as a very high level professional, and yet also subject to it, it makes me want to fight harder in my own existence mm. to figure a way out so that I can be more effective.
1: This this is the whole um, through me, you know, like it's mm-hmm. bigger, like using your story um, to help other people. And then that uh, you use that leverage as, as almost like motivation to, to help you with your own story so you could help other people, I guess. Does yeah. that that make sense?
0: Yeah. And you know, what's been happening, which has been really um, just in- incredible for me to experience is that, um, I've had some really tough clients in this arena recently, and I've really been doing a lot of research on how, um, women's perceptions of our bodies interrupts flow states. Mm. And for the first time in my life at almost 39 years old, I can now go out without experiencing my body.
1: Oh, that's interesting. So yeah. expand on that. What do you mean? And, and how does the, the, the body image or the body connection of, uh, impact flow states?
0: Yeah, so and let's take it back to a feeling of overwhelm. And I can draw it all the way down, you know, through the limbic versus prefrontal cortex functions. So all right, Here, here's, here's the primer. Um, we have two parts of our brain that we need to take into consideration, your prefrontal cortex and your limbic system. Your limbic system governs emotions, both good and bad. There is a part of your brain in your limbic system called the amygdala, which is your oldest brain, part of your brain. It is your reptilian brain. It's significant because of the juxtaposition of fear and blood flow through the amygdala. So Olympic athletes have very high blood flowing through their amygdala and their muscle memory, the way that they participate in um, their experience with their body is based on muscle memory. When an Olympic athlete goes into the arena, that athlete is not thinking, how do I get my body to perform? Blood is flowing, the brain is activated, muscle memory takes over and that athlete performs. Someone who is anorexic has very low blood flowing through the amygdala. So that person isn't just stepping out into the world, accessing muscle memory and performing or activating their body. That person is scared of what does my body look like? What does my body feel like? How is my body um, being experienced, right? So going back to um, my position of like fear, you know, so when when someone steps out into the world who has body image issues, especially women, your your mind goes to a place of I don't just inhabit my body, but my body is also for presentation.
1: Mm, right. So it's it's so kind of that. um it's a billboard. It's uh it's outside of it's, self.
0: Detachment, exactly yeah. Outside of self. Yeah. So the experience of detaching from yourself to take time outside of your body to give um I don't know, credence to how the observer might be viewing you is where you get into trouble. Right, That's the space. That's the space. And so I had to train my brain to go back to my body so that when I step out into the world, I can be fully um, in my body and not thinking about the observer.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking how, um, and I didn't even think about this until you brought up this topic, how Um, your disconnection to body generally can make you feel overwhelmed or your pressure to look a certain way. um, And just, just going through everyday life, you know, (laughs) just going outside.
0: Just going outside. And so getting to a point where, you know, if you suffer from body image issues, um, how just leaving your house is a radical act of resistance. I mean, let's start there. Yeah. And so you know, how do we combat overwhelm with with knowledge with anger you know in this arena with with um a refusal to be subject to it how do we combat overwhelm with you know too many things going on in life we simplify we break it down into small chunks Mm -hmm. we mitigate a feeling of this is bigger than me
1: i love the uh power of simplifying um for me that's what that's one of the things that helps the most is when i get overwhelmed uh, when i feel like there's too much i need to do or i'm falling behind Um, and also for me, also body stuff too, you know, I'm 46, um, I, 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 my connection to my body isn't, um, uh, as, as I don't know what the word is, but it's, it's a little disconnected today than it was say when I was 35 and I was, you know, um, crossfitting every day and stuff, um, feeling more insecure myself. Like whenever all of that happens, uh, this idea of simplifying, uh, is, I think is really powerful.
0: What do you do first how do you access simplifying um
1: first just grounding myself and uh it, it for me one of my biggest struggles is is uh going into my head uh future tripping um you know the whole like oh the sky's gonna fall or this isn't gonna work out like everything that's future oriented so um taking everything i have today Uh, Being grateful for what I have, knowing that what I have today is what I have, meaning that, you know, um, people can't take it away from me because I've, you know, whether it's my story or my relationships, um, it's stuff that I've built, you know, Um, and then not uh, having this desperate desire for uh, things to come, but really uh, being present and enjoying and appreciating um, everything I have today, including you know the my connection with with body um and then and then knowing that you could build from there, you know
0: I, yes, and I think you said something that's so vital there, not worrying about what's to come, yeah, you know so many people live in a state of if only, I will yes. be happy if yes. only this, I will be loved, if only that I can accept my body for what it is. If I only hit X, Y, Z marker. Right,
1: right. Um, I, I've lived most of my life that way. Uh, and before really? my, before my divorce, that, that was why, um, I was quote unquote miserable. Uh, I didn't allow myself to be happy or I didn't think I was valuable. Uh, when I was married, unless I had, you know, the three picture deal, sold the screenplays or, you know, the expensive cars or the whatever. Um, and because those didn't come, um, I was uh, angry, unhappy, invisible, and I didn't think I had any value as a person. Mm. So yeah, that I whole to, if that whole if thing is very dangerous.
0: It's very dangerous, and it's really powerful. I used to feel that way about thinness. Mm. That if I wasn't very, very, very thin, I wasn't right. valuable. I didn't have access to certain things. And you know, it's so interesting. To live on the other side of that space and to look back at my younger self and to say, "Wow, oh honey bear, you know, you were you missed it."
1: Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, well, that's where the empathy, compassion, self-compassion, all that comes in.
0: Mm-hmm. It does, yeah. and I'm grateful for it because if you had gotten everything you wanted, and if I had gotten everything I wanted in my younger years. Um, I would never have been through the struggle that I've been through now that has taught me what it's like to earn it for real, for real, and to be forced to build a life that is reflective of the joy that I want to exist in the now.
1: I wouldn't have uh, been able to handle quote unquote success when I was, you Mm -hmm. know, 2530. I'm impulsive. I'm reckless. Um, I would have gotten myself into a lot of trouble. And I I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. uh, I think it required, you know, it was very, it was very humbling for me to go work in nonprofit for for five years. Uh, At that time, I didn't have a choice. But looking back, it was uh, such medicine for me, you know. Awesome. So
0: another way of combating overwhelm is digging in.
1: Mm. What do you mean? Describe.
0: Um, So if we're if we're understanding the if only view of life that contributes to overwhelm, that I can only be happy. I can only truly live. I can only truly exist if only um, to then turn it on its ear and say, okay, well, what's the work that you need to do to get there?
1: Mm -hmm. Sure.
0: And then start.
1: Yeah. Start building. Um, So I, I like that part too, which means it's not just about, Sim, like, simplifying doesn't just mean to sit on your couch and cross your fingers and, you know, <laughs> practice oh, self-love. No. Yeah, you actually have to uh, work your ass off. And I, and I think we agree on this because you mentioned before this whole idea of work-life balance, I think, is bullshit. Um, work is work is work. Like, you, if you want to do anything substantial in the world, it requires a lot of work. You just have to do it in a way um, that's honest to you and, and in a way where you don't lose yourself. Agreed. But there's a lot of it, as you and I both know. <laughs>
0: yes. And the you work know? never ends. Yeah. The work never ends. Yeah. To figure out how to do the work in a joyful way, I think is the trick.
1: Yeah. Well, guys, um, I hope you got something from this episode. Uh for me, uh, the reminder to simplify, um, the reminder to be empathetic. Um uh, but at the same time, knowing that you could push through your overwhelm, and of course, uh, follow your dreams with with hard work. Um, what about you? Got a couple of tips as we end about over being overwhelmed.
0: Feelings aren't facts.
1: Yeah, big one.
0: Where you are now is going to be very different from where you are five years from now. So mm. you can decide now what the future trajectory is going to be, um, and that you do have a very high degree of control over how you experience your body and mind. Mm. So don't roll over and play dead, get up and fight. I
1: want to I want to mention one more that I actually learned from you that I use myself. And you always ask the question. um, Is it going to matter 10 years from now? Or maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's five for you. I don't know what years, but is it going to matter five or ten years from now? And when you ask yourself that, usually what you're going through or what you're stressed about um, isn't. It's not even. <laughs> it's just a speck. It doesn't. It's not going to impact anything significantly five or ten years from now. Uh, it's us blowing things up.
0: Drop it down. Will it matter a month from now?
1: Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks, Noel. Guys, be well.
0: All right, gang. Take care.